Um, today, I just want to bring a word that God has placed in my heart, a word to share that, um, you know, it, as a preacher, sometimes you, you get this thing that God starts to stir in you. And um, you can't really uh, quench it. You can't put it down. It starts to stir. And then God brings things to a line and starts to stir up within you. And this is one of those messages that God has been stirring in my heart. And even as God has, uh, you know, last week ministered in this place through Pastor Victor and the challenge we had uh, not to procrastinate, that the harvest is ready, um, I just feel that God is taking the church into a new dimension. We prayed, Lord, send, make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Let the new wine flow through me. And you know, that must be our heart. That must be the passion that we have. You know, that as we look into a world, we can be so blinded sometimes. We can forget that God is bringing world events in line to bring about a purpose that he has already foretold. When we look at a world around us, there are many who are going to go to a lost eternity unless the church rises up to fulfill its call. And that should stir us, it should keep us awake at night, it should cause us to think, what am I doing in line with the call of God? Because that call is there for every one of us. And, um, you know, I was uh, reflecting on this. The uh, Apostle uh, Paul says this. He says that we have one primary ministry. And today we have, you know, we have in church life, we have women's ministries, we have men's ministries, we have life group. Uh, it's a ministry of kids ministry. We have worship ministry. We have sound ministry. We have every ministry, but Paul talks of one ministry. You know what the ministry he talks of? Let's read it. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what is your ministry? If I were to ask you today, what is your ministry? Would you say worship ministry? Right? What is my ministry? I am what? In the men's ministry. I'm in the women's ministry. But what does Paul say? That we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And you, I'm not uh, criticizing, you can be in any ministry. We have the ministries in the church. But that has to be the overriding ministry of every one of us. It must be the passion of every one of our hearts. He goes on, he says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting the people's sins against them. He has committed to whom? Sorry, I'm interactive. I need to have some response. Us! That is your neighbor, right? The person seated next to you. No. Who, who did he have? Who has he given it to? Us. So whose is the ministry of reconciliation given to? You raise your hand. It's to each of us. Are we involved in the ministry of reconciliation? And I'm very challenged by this because I think it is the most neglected ministry in church life. And I'm sorry to say it. 
I think it is the most neglected ministry. We promote every ministry in church life. But if we haven't caught this one, we miss the bus. It is the ministry of reconciliation. So that is what God has called you to. And out of this, I'm going to uh, just show you some things that God has been laying on my heart and God has been speaking to me in line with this area. So the ministry of reconciliation is given to you. We're going to read today from um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You are empowered to share. You see, when God called us, when God chose us, when God saved us, and he gave his Holy Spirit, it was not for me to walk around saying, you know, when I pray, people get healed. The Holy Spirit is working in me. You know, I speak with in other tongues. The Holy Spirit is working in me. I have faith. The Holy Spirit is working in me. But friends, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, was given so that you will serve a purpose. You are empowered to what? Share. And today I know that, you know, sometimes we know the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the uh, things that God does in our lives as we are, are filled with the Holy Spirit. But the overriding call of God upon us through the filling of the Holy Spirit is to share. And if we want to actually understand or, re, uh, or respond to the voice of God, we have to be willing to take a step to share. And I want to challenge you because it is something that God is saying that the church rises to fulfill its call. We will start to see things start to happen around us. The church today has become negligent of the call of God. So we see wonderful things. This is Acts chapter 1. We find that God gives a call. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and unto the uppermost parts of the world. Right? Amazing, wonderful, exciting. And things start to happen. We find that uh, as we go through the next couple of chapters, amazing things start to happen. Preacher, uh, this Peter preaches a message, and 3,000 people get saved. I mean, that is revival. Right? This guy was the same guy who denied Jesus. This guy was the same guy who said, you know what? I think Jesus has abandoned me. I'm going fishing. Right? This guy is the same guy that Jesus came and he gave him a word. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. What was he saying? Share the word. If you love me, three times. And Peter gets Annoyed at the third time. It says, you know, Lord. But Jesus is communicating something. He's saying, Peter, you have a purpose. You are empowered. You are saved. Not just to make it to heaven. You know, a lot of times as Christians, our greatest desire is, Lord, I just, kill me now. My life is too hard. My trials are too hard. Kill me now and I'll come to heaven. 
Read that prayer? Am I the only one? No. Okay. I've prayed that prayer. I've forgotten what my call is because, you know what, the challenge is so hard that I'm like, God, really? If, wouldn't it be so, and you get into this pity party, isn't it? You know, God, it would be so good if you just took me now. I'll be in heaven. God says, there is something that I want to do through you. Wake up. I'll give you more problems so that you've got to pray to me more. And you've got to realize that your life is not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. Because when God's power is seen awake and available and working in you, it becomes a testimony to the world. And our lives is called to be a testimony. I'm amazed. Three times in this last week, I had people come and speak on those same words to me. And I was like, God, you must be trying to tell me. Say, say something, isn't it? Right? That don't face your challenge and think it's the end of the story. God is using you and God is using the very challenge you're facing to make a testimony. I remember uh, a friend of mine saying very recently, I was at his daughter's wedding and he was saying, we were catching up together. And, was, and um, his previous youth pastor, who was also one of uh, a youth pastor of mine, was there. And he said, he was born, this guy, he was born in a Christian home. He didn't have any challenges as such. He gave his heart to the Lord and he was, you know, walking with God. Whereas everybody else who was coming in had a testimony. And he had something to say, oh, God saved me from this and God saved me from that. And he felt he didn't have a testimony. That, you know, he had nothing to say. So he went to this guy and he said, you know, I have a problem. So he said, what's your problem? He said, I don't have a testimony. Because, you know, I haven't done anything to talk about. And this guy turned around and told him, well, you better go and do something then and get a testimony. Right? And he still talks of it because he says, I didn't do it, but my sons are now doing it. They're going out and getting themselves a testimony. Right? So when I see my sons today, I'm looking at them and saying, thank God, they're earning themselves a testimony. But your testimony doesn't have to be of something radical. It's about the fact that God is at work in your life. So we see Peter. He preaches a message. Amazing. 3,000 people come to the Lord. We see further on Ananias and Sapphira. They're coming and they're bringing an offering to God. And they choose to lie to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit strikes them dead. And they're like, whoa, that is really tough. Right? Why would that happen? But God was communicating something. There's a new church being born and I am establishing some principles, standards of righteousness. Then we find that other things start to happen. The apostles are taken and they're put in prison for preaching the word of God. And you know what happens? The next moment, they're released by the power of God in the night in prison. And the, uh, the, the rulers at the time uh, brought a report saying, you know the men you put in prison? They're out there in the marketplace sharing the word of God. And they're stunned. These are exciting times where wonderful things are happen. Peter and John walk up to uh, a, a man who was lame. And the man is begging. And he says, silver, as Peter says to him, silver and gold we do not have. But in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man who was, uh, you know, lame, unable to walk jumps up, he rises up, 
and he's walking. Exciting times. I would have loved to be there. But what was happening? The church was becoming happy, clappy, God is with us. We are all excited. But no vision for outside. And I think that is the state of a lot of Christians, which could include you and me today. That we are so excited. God, I prayed for my miracle and you came through. I am excited. God is saying, I gave you a miracle that somebody else might be blessed. Whom did you share it with? I gave you a miracle that somebody else might know that I am faithful. You know, today we have a lot of social media going around, isn't it? Um, now, I know in our family, my wife and daughter share a lot of recipes on Instagram. Now, are, are you all into that? Right? Where you have to get onto either, you know, some of these uh, Facebook posts or TikToks or whatever. Where these, uh, you get the recipes and you're like, oh, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Okay, so this is the quantity. Or maybe you've got something else that you're passing around. And it's swirling around. But when's the last time you took a bold step of faith to share something of what God did in your life? And you're like, ooh. I'm not a fanatic. I'm not going to get people to think, oh, sometimes we're like, oh, people might actually realize I'm a Christian if I share. It's scary. People might know that I actually believe in something. Friends, God is going to hold us responsible because the work he's doing in our hearts is not for us. It's for somebody else. And God took it very seriously with the church in Jerusalem. He gave them power. He gave them calling. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses. But the church got happy, clappy, and I am satisfied. So you know what God did? He gave them Acts chapter 8 and verse And it says there, and Saul approved of their killing him. That's talking of Peter. Uh, sorry, Stephen. On that day, a great, what? Persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. What happened? And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So God said, well, if you won't go, I'll send you. If you don't have the eyes with what I am doing, I'll turn up the heat. Because when I turn up the heat, my purpose will be accomplished. And friends, God turned up the heat. He brought persecution on a happy, clappy church that was, I have my miracle that's all I want. And friends, I want to tell you very, very strongly that God is saying today the church needs to go out. God will turn up the heat to cause us to reach to those who need to know him. Because God's word and God's love is not about me. It's about those who do not know him.
It mattered enough for Jesus Christ to have to come down, the Son of God, go to a cross of pain and be willing to die to demonstrate that God loves the world. And if you and I are indifferent towards that, it grieves the heart of God. It does. Is God speaking to us today? Is God challenging us today? That God's love is for those who do not know him. That God has touched your life. God has touched my life. Not for me to walk around saying, I am blessed. But for me to walk around saying, God who blesses me can bless you. The same God. The same God. And I want to just challenge you today that God wants to do something powerful in you. He has empowered you. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts today going on from chapter 8. So we find that in 8 verse 1, God brings persecution. He thrusts the gospel out. The believers were no longer able to stay in their happy, clappy home. They went out and things started to happen. So don't lose sight of the call of God. And I'm going to give you a couple of things that, um, you know, God has laid on my heart that God is calling us to through the next two chapters in the book of Acts. So we start with the first is become a super spreader. And, uh, you know, this is a word that got coined up in the last, or not coined up, but got prominence in the last few years, isn't it? You hear the word super spreader and everybody's like, whoa, right? Careful of them. You hear that there's a super spreader in this area, nobody will go to Coles, right? I'll instead go somewhere else. Why? Because this has become a super spreader hotspot. Everything's, you know, like, you know, radioactive. Somebody could get COVID. Now nobody bothers, isn't it? But that was where it was, super spreader. But I want to tell you that God wants you to be a super spreader. God wants you to be radioactive. That when people come into your presence, they start to realize. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 says this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They were super spreaders. Wherever they went, they took opportunity. And God has placed you and I as super spreaders in the world today. If the world, let's not be light about COVID, right? But if the world isn't catching it, then we aren't spreading it, right? If you heard somebody sneeze in coals two years ago, you'd not walk down that aisle, right? You'd avoid that aisle. Even today, people are very scared to sneeze in public. Why? Someone might think I'm a super spreader. So they'll do all sorts of things. If you've got a bit of hay fever, they'll keep away. Why? Someone might think I've got COVID. But friends, do people see you've got Jesus? You are a super spreader. But do people see you've got Jesus? 
When they go, go on your social media, do they see that you've got Jesus? You know, a lot of times people don't want to have Jesus on their social media because they are not letting their lives match up with what is there. And they feel, oh, if people see this, they'll see a discrepancy. So it's better not to boast it and to live the way I am. You're not being a super spreader. You need to reach out to a lost and hurting world. That's Acts chapter 8, verse 4. But we're going to read on from there. And I want to just inspire you today. So the first thought, what's the first thought that I left with you? You are a? Sorry, I told you I'm interactive. Okay, so what's the first thought I left with you? You are a? Super spreader, right? You wouldn't forget that surely in this time and age. The second is, you've got to change mindsets. If you are to be one who reaches out to people with the love of God, you've got to change mindsets. Um, and I'm going to just explain why. So we're going to read um, from Acts chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the message there, as the Messiah there, sorry. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. And with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many were he who were healed, uh, sorry, who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. But what was it? The first part of that verse, verse 5, is the important one. It says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Now, this is a very significant thing because for Jews to go to Samaria was taboo, right? They would actually walk around a circuitous route to avoid Samaria because they didn't see the Samaritans as acceptable. They were outcasts. But God's desire was, and the gospel will be preached in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. God embraces the outcast. And I want to just challenge us today, because we feel that, okay, I am a Christian, I don't have segregated groups. I thought I was too. Until I realized that my mind was set on a certain group, a certain people, a certain people that were, you know, able to, I was able to uh, communicate with on a certain level. And then God challenged my heart and he started to show me people that God wanted to touch. And God said to me very clearly, he said, do you believe they can come into your church? And I was like, God, maybe they're for the church down the road. Maybe they're for another church. And God said to me very clearly, you've got to change your mindset. And the minute I changed my mindset, God gave me opportunity. The minute I was open and said, God, I am not going to decide who the love of God is for. I'm open. 
And God started bringing people. And God started doing things. I was like, whoa, God. How did that happen? How did that person? I didn't even have to do very much. The person opened their heart to God. They are pressing me to know you. How is this happening? It was a change in my mindset. I had decided who could be reached for God. And God was saying, you don't decide. You go to everyone. And Philip took the message to Samaria. Signs and wonders happened. And it says in verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. Friends, there are people, there are cities, there are people out there who are being robbed of joy because our mindset has closed them out. Our mindset has said they are not going to come into the kingdom of God. And I don't know, but even today, maybe God is speaking to you and I and saying, God uh, is speaking and saying, you know, there's somebody down the road, somebody that I have purposed that you are not seeing potential in. That you are not seeing a possibility. That you are saying, oh God, you know what? They are not really religious. You think God is going after religious people? They are not really very open. God has room for everyone. And if you read the, uh, the, the chapter, verse, uh, chapter 8 in the book of Acts, it shows that God has room for anyone. For anyone. You know, today we have a lot of groups that we put and we put them into the group called the unreachables. The unreachables. Have you got a group like that somewhere in your uh, you know, frame of reference? This person I work with is in the unreachable group. Why? Because they have too many problems and they're too resistant. Maybe if you've got another unreachable group, they have everything in life and they are so well off that they don't need God. So I don't know how to reach them. So they go into the unreachable group. And we keep this group, isn't it? Am I the only one? Have, has anyone else got that problem where you have the unreachable group? Yeah? No? Yeah? Okay. Right. There are a few. Right? Others of you? I think you may not have to go back today and do some confessing. Right? But... There are people we put into unreachable groups. And Philip had to break out of the unreachable group. And when he did, signs and wonders followed and there was great joy in the city. There are people waiting for you and I to break out of the unreachable group. God's love is for everyone. Which Let's read down and understand that a little more. We find in Acts 8, 26 to 29, there's a revival taking place. Philip has been a part of it. Great joy in the city. And then God says, go down the desert road. And this is what happens. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the uh, road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Verse 27. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. The man 
had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Lord told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And we see that Philip responds. He goes and he finds that the man is reading Isaiah chapter 53, which talks of the suffering servant. And he talks of how Jesus would die. And he talks of all these things. And he has no understanding. And Philip starts to explain to him. And you know, it's important because God is establishing a principle again. If you look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the start of the New Testament church and you find many principles getting established there. And God is uh, establishing a principle. There are no untouchables. A eunuch was somebody who could not come into the, uh, the place of worship. He had to stay outside because of physical deformity. For him to come in was impossible. And you know, there are groups of people we look at as the untouchables. As the people that, you know what, their thinking and their ways are so different that God has no place for them. But friends, God was showing that he has a place for them. That he was willing to reach to an open heart. A man who was willing, this man had a problem. But the man was desperate to find God. And God reaches out to him. What he didn't know was he was reading Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 56, God had given a specific word for eunuchs. And I'll read it to you in Isaiah 56, verses 5. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs, who keep my Sabbaths, in other words, who choose to honor me, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls. They could not enter the temple. They were actually kept outside the temple. But he is saying, you can actually come into the temple. A memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. God is saying, you got untouchables but I am giving them a place in heaven. If they will seek me with their heart, I will reach them. Don't try to decide for somebody else. You give them the opportunity and you see what God can do. You see, we create more boundaries for people. I mean, talk about hurdles. We give people more hurdles to jump before they can come into the Christian faith. We line them all up and you say, you jump the first one, there's a second, a third. Wait till you get to the 10th. God says, all the hurdles aside, just come to me. Come the way you are. And you know, we sometimes become the biggest stumbling blocks to people coming to the knowledge of Christ. God rejects no one. If they come with a sincere heart, God will accept them. And I just feel very challenged as I read this because there are people I have put and said, God, they need to clear this up. They need to get this straight. If they get that straight, I'm sure you can sort them out. God says, forget all that. You just let me do the work. You let them come to me. You don't put all the blockades and the hurdles before them. God takes away hurdles. And friends, let's not go and lift them up again and put them there. 
let God do a sovereign work in somebody's life. So where was I? We were talking of changing mindsets. And God is challenging us even this morning that there is somebody out there that is waiting for us to remove the hurdle and reach them with the love of Jesus. Finally, respond to God's leading. And I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 9. Now, Acts chapter 9 brings on the scene a man who is going to be powerfully used by God. Acts chapter 9 brings on the scene the Apostle Paul known as Saul at that time. And uh, this man would go on to write nearly half of the New Testament. This man would be used powerfully for the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles. This man would be used powerfully to take the gospel to areas where it had never gone before. And to many of us today, we are probably a result of the gospel having penetrated some place that Paul was responsible to taking the gospel to. And yet, there is a dovetailing of responses here. And I want to challenge you that God is calling you and me to respond to his leading. And we find, I'm going to read the, uh, the, the passages in this because I believe that God wants to speak to us through this. Uh, so we're going to go to Acts chapter 9 and verses 1 to 6. Meanwhile, Paul, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that is what Christianity was called at the time, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And uh, we see that God gives a great encounter to this man. If you read in chapter 8, verse 1, which we started with when we talked of the gospel spreading, uh, Paul, or Saul, sorry, was giving approval to the death of Stephen. In chapter 7, we find that, third, verse 37, that they laid the cloaks of those who were going to stone Stephen at Saul's feet. And Saul was zealous to destroy. He was zealous to persecute and to stop the spread of the gospel. And yet God saw potential in this man's life. He saw something there that could not be seen by others. He saw potential. And I think of the many times that God sees potential in people that we don't see potential in. And I was thinking even, you know, when Pastor David shares his testimony of how he was an alcoholic, that he would never have known from there that today God would be using him to build a church of people who are passionate for God of taking the gospel 
across to countries out there. Why? Because God sees potential in people. It could be you, it could be me, it could be the man out there. We might see a person there and say, God, seriously? And God says, that's my vessel. And that vessel won't be found unless we do something. So we see that God brings in the element of humanity into this. He could have done light from heaven, Saul received, now Saul instantly propelled to become a testimony. But God chooses to speak to us 2,000 years later that he still uses a man. And this is what happened. We're going to read it. Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. I thought, how would you feel if God called to you? Yes, God speak to me. Not a pleasant message. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Ananias knew a little bit more. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on, my, on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Friends, there are people out there that God is saying, Andrew, you go. He might be saying to some of us and calling out our name and saying, go. And we might be, Lord, seriously, I don't see much. And God is saying, that's my chosen vessel. Because that is the one who's going to reach a whole other people that you will never reach. Ananias, we don't find much mentioned of him. But the apostle Paul takes the gospel to the then known world. Friends, how many rough diamonds are out there waiting to be unearthed? You know, I was sharing even on Monday, you know, a lot of us ladies wear the bling, you know, the diamonds that, you know, shine, and some of the guys as well, right? And, um, you know, that diamond is hewed from a stone. It's just a piece, looks very unseemly in the ground. And yet that diamond is taken out, it is cut, it is polished, and suddenly it is dazzling and worth something. And people will pay good money to get that diamond. But that diamond, somebody had to see value to take it out of the ground. And today there are Pauls 
that are walking the streets today waiting for you and I to be the Ananias that God has called. And we may be looking at them and seeing no potential and saying, God, no. And God might be saying to us, that person who's seated next to you in office, and you're saying, God, he has everything in life. He doesn't need God. God is saying, that is my instrument. Would you be willing to reach them? Because when God comes, friends, the problem is that very often we don't believe in the power of God to change a life. We don't believe in the power of God to supernaturally take a person who's heading one way and turn them the other way and do something powerful in their life. So we put God in our little box and say, God, it's all about me. It's the words I speak. It's the words that I can, you know, uh, try and manipulate them or turn their life. And God is saying, it's not about you. It's about me. If you will step out in faith, I will do the work. Friends, the rough diamonds are waiting out there. Is God speaking to you today? Is God speaking to me today? He's saying, change your mindset. Respond in faith. Dig out the rough diamond. Last worship team to come. And even as we start to just open our hearts, I believe, how many of us can say that God has just challenged our hearts today? That God has challenged us. That God wants us to start to be the people who are going to dig out the rough diamonds. That we are not going to let a, a closed mindset keep somebody out of the kingdom of God. That we are not going to go and put all our hurdles down and say jump, 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 jump so that you can come. We are going to say God's love is for you today. That's end of it. Let God do what he wants to do in people's lives. Friends, we not need to be open